Hello and welcome to the Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things weddings. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about love, life, and entrepreneurship. I, of course, am your hostess with the mostess on the Wedding Dish Podcast, Sarah Alipin, and I am also the CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. We've got our little French bulldog, Bud, sitting at my feet, keeping him warm as we have a little bit of a stormy day here in the D.C. area. Uh, Before we get started, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you've got to check it out. It's all about adventure elopement and adventure elopement photography with Brianna Park. So much fun. Um, And thank you all for tuning into The Wedding Dish today. Let's do it. So today we are talking with a certified life coach who helps step parents and adults in blended families create more personal happiness. The human behind Amy says so. Amy Stone, thank you so much for being on The Wedding Dish today. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited for this conversation. Yay! I am also very excited for this because we're sort of talking, we're taking a bit of a, a left turn here on The Wedding Dish um, because a lot of times we talk about um, first-time marriages and that tends to be what we talk about in the industry in general. And in our society, we tend to focus on first, like first babies, you get a baby shower, a second baby, you have a sprinkle or you just skip it all together. And it's kind of no different in the wedding industry. So. Um, That means that there are often fewer resources for people planning their second or beyond second wedding. And that's why I'm really excited to talk to you about remarriage today, Amy. Happy to do it. Something I love to talk about. All right. Well, let's dish. When planning a second marriage where one or both adults have children from previous relationships, where do you start? Uh. Where do you start? So it's it's a great question because it like anything, it depends on who's involved, right? So if you've got two people who both of them have been married before, they may both have um, experience and they might have preferences and they might be coming to the table with an idea of what they want and what they don't want, right? In my case, I was coming to the table. It was my first wedding and not my husband's first wedding. And so, and this is a scenario where I see um, often as a step parent that you can feel like you are missing out on some of the firsts. Like, will it be as special to me? Will I get to experience my dream wedding that I've always wanted? And, or is it going to be not as important to everybody else? Like, how do I speak up and get my feelings honored? So I think that a good place to start, and we'll see if you agree with this, is trying to figure out what you want. Like, do you have, and and not everybody does, right? But do you have childhood dreams of what your wedding will be? Like what's important to you? Um, And then have the conversation. (laughs) What's important to the other people? One of the, and you're in the industry, so you might see it a, a lot. I was very surprised at how much other people's dreams of my wedding came into play when I was planning my wedding. That was one of the surprises I had as a bride because I, I just thought of it as my day and I was consistently being reminded that other people had their own opinions about what oh, I yeah. should be doing. Oh, yeah. About everything you should be doing. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because I think a lot of people would answer that you start with the kids. 
You can you could start with the kids. I mean, and some of that's going to depend on how old the kids are. Like, so my stepkids were, oh, let me do the math here. They were eight and four when I met them. I think they were 12 and um, eight when we got married is the, is the math. They're now both grown. I've been a stepmom for over 20 years. And so this is, these are, so that's why my math skills would be in doubt there. But, um, <laughs> We, we definitely, they're definitely a factor, but, um, I think that there is, and it's, it's going to be a bigger factor if you're, if you've got two groups of kids coming together. Um, and so the blended families come to, um, come together in all different kinds of ways. And it also is going to matter how old those kids are. If you, the largest group of divorce right now is what we're calling the silver or gray divorce, which are people who are over their fifties. I don't know if that replays into the remarriage percentage, but if you're getting remarried and the kids are like in their 30s or 40s, I don't know that they weigh in very much like or not. Like that's that's a I mean they might, they definitely might, but you're not taking on a parent role at that point, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I think it is important to always start with yourself because once you bring right. anybody else into it, you're managing other people and you can easily forget about all of your own stuff. Oh my gosh, and that is that is the juggle, right? That is the juggle all through life. Like this is the this is the greatest fake out of adulthood that you you go into this thinking that it's all about you and then you realize there are all these other people and that it never ends. So, you know, um, I, I am one of those people who I, so my parents were divorced and I was really concerned, um, about how that would shake out in my wedding. It turned out to not be a big deal, but we briefly entertained running away and eloping. And my mother, my future mother-in-law, like she, she had her spidey senses on and she called her son and she was like, listen, if you think you're going to run away, <laughs> that is not happening. And we were both like, what? Like, why do you get to vote on this? Like, but you know, she did. Wow. That is so interesting. Oh my gosh. Um, smart mother-in-law. That's yes. pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. I was, I mean, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, talking about kids, how do you talk to kids about the f- changes in f- the family dynamic after you've kind of checked in with yourself and and talked to your significant other about what it, what your vision is um, and what's important to you? So this is a really interesting thing. It's one of the times I spend a lot of time saying, hey, what happens in blended families is often the same as what happens in non-blended families. But this is one of the things where the the pattern is often reversed. So a lot of times, I mean, I know people live together before they get married as like the norm now, like that's an expected thing. But in a blended family, it's very common that you will do things like buy a house together before you get married. And so the conversation about this relationship has hopefully may have already happened way before the actual wedding. Um, and so, and this is one of the places where it, just, it gets out of sequence. But so in my case, and I did not realize, you know, buying a house is actually a much hard, bigger commitment than signing a piece of paper in a lot of ways, right? I didn't realize yeah. that. Um, but so we had already bought a house and we were already living together. And so the conversation of getting married um, was was a, was a was sort of a secondary thing. It was more about planning a party. So that's the way 
it happened in um, in my family. The way you have the conversation with kids depends on how old, how old the kids are. Um, obviously, our kids were young. And so my husband, my future husband, he we, he had the conversation with the kids in terms of introducing me to the kids as like a, a girlfriend. And they were young enough that in their mind, and my husband knew this, but I didn't. In their mind, <clears throat> I was forever then. Oh. In my mind, I was just a girlfriend. In their mind, like, because they were young, they were like, oh, this person is here for us forever because they were little. And oh. little kids, like, they make that assumption, like, this person is here for me forever. Like, my teacher is always going to be there for me. So on and so forth. If they're teenagers, it's different, right? Because a teenager is going to be like, they're going to question this right away. Who is this person? What are, what are your intentions? <laughs> make your intentions clear. So what we did, though, that I think worked out well, and I didn't come up with this, I'm sure that I read this or did this, is that we did, um, like, I went to my future stepkids and I asked them how they, if it was okay if I would marry their dad. And we did that after he had proposed and stuff like that, and we worked them into the ceremony, but I wanted them to feel like their preferences were honored. Now, I... If they had said no, I don't know what I would have done, to tell you the truth. Like, I, like, like I, we were pretty sure that they were going to say yes, but I wanted them to feel included and to be a part. And I gave them little presents and stuff like that. That's really sweet. Um, that could have gone terribly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I should. I have to ask my husband if he and I talked about it beforehand, like because I I don't have any memory of even considering that they would say no. So, well, you knew them by that. It's not like it was like yes. you got you met you them, and then like two weeks later, you were like, "Hey, I'm here forever. Is that okay?" Right when, after having told them they couldn't go play putt putt and have ice cream five minutes before. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you included the kids in your actual wedding day. Um, how did you incorporate them into the celebration? So this is really cute and really funny. We doubled up on the role of um, maid of honor and groomsmen. So like um, officially we gave my husband's kids these jobs. Like so we gave them the jobs, but they were children. So then there were also <laughs> adults that had backup jobs to support them. <laughs> so that we doubled up on that. So like my oldest friend was my maid of honor and and also my husband's daughter. And so um, we included them in the ceremony right there like that. And we built it into the vows, like the same way we asked them. And so what I didn't realize is so funny. The people who attend, I knew that I had already asked them and they knew that it was going to be a part of this. But it's something that historically, like over the last 20 years, people have mentioned over and over again how much they love that we built that into the the ceremony, the public ceremony that I looked to them and I said, hey, do you take me as your your stepmom, as your as your dad's wife? So Oh, that's so sweet. I yeah. love that. How and they were 12 and 8? Yeah, I think so. They're th they're four years apart, so 12 and 8. Yeah. Oh my stepmom. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah, cute, cute is that? It was very cute. Oh my God, I love it so much. Um, well, clearly you 
created a happy, healthy home um, throughout this whole process from the start of when you were introduced and through today, because I know you just mentioned that your um, son or stepson got, I, do you call him your stepson or your son? So I call him, he's my stepson. He's like, so every blended family is different. My stepkids have a very involved, active mom. She's still alive. She's very much there. So he, but the interesting thing is, right, that the step, that title stepmom is really like an external term. So like he calls me Amy and I call him by his name, right? And so we use that word stepmom like j- just for other people. Like, and and I can still remember the first time like we were in public at an arcade and I was the adult that was nearby. They needed some adult to sign off on whatever goofy thing they needed to do. And we were challenged (laughs) by, you know, whatever teenager was in charge of this. And they were like, well, who's this? And they looked up and they were like, well, this is our stepmom. And we both looked at each other. We all looked at each other like, right, that's right. That's who I am. Like I can make this decision. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that because every family is different and I certainly don't want to say the wrong thing. Every family is different. And you can pick your own name. That's like the other thing that I like a lot of this when we talk about planning, like a lot of this is, you know, giving I I would like to give people permission. It's like you can do this for yourself. Right. Like so there is no like there's nobody that comes around and like waves their wand is like, poof, Amy, you are a stepmom. I could have called myself anything just kind of like grandparents do. Like some grandparents don't want to be called grandparents. So they're like, call me Nana or call me, you know, whatever the name is. And and so, you know, if, if it bugs you, the word, right, it is up to you. Yeah. That's an important distinction too, because if you don't feel comfortable, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's yeah. funny. And I'll go back to my original thought in a second, but um, my mother-in-law calls me her daughter. Um, and she expects me to call her mom, which I do. Um, but it brings up a lot of like funny things that happen when she introduces me to other people. And they're like, oh, it's so great to meet you. How are the twins? And I'm like, I don't have children. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> her no, actual exactly. daughter has kids. Right. And so that is, you know, the, I one of the things I work with a lot with um, stepmoms and stepdads and adults and blended families is your identity within the family, like which it can be different, like how you think of yourself and how others perceive you can be different. And that can be on purpose or it can cause a problem. Right. So like if it's super important to me that I am called mom, but I they have a mom, that's confusion right? That's confusion. And so that, it, yeah, so that's, so I call, I call, we've always just called each other by their names. And, um, and so stepmom is a term that we use to designate who's responsible for what. <laughs> Makes total sense. So back to my original question after my little tangent and your very helpful insight into, um, so You've clearly created a really happy, healthy, blended family in your home, um, and and I I can tell that from before we were recording, and you were talking about the excitement that you had for your stepson's wedding and surrounding, um, kind of like being part of that. So, um, regardless of anything else that I knew before, I could totally tell from the way that you were talking, um, and. How? What are some tips that you have for our listeners who are trying to create that long-term happy, healthy home as a blended family? All right. Well, so how long do we have? Just kidding. No. Um, I have. I know um, it's a big one. 
That's a big one. I have tons of things. Like, so I do have, um, I, like, I have a, a list of 10 tips that I think are the lessons that I learned over 20 years of my marriage that I put together when I started building this coaching practice. And so we don't have time to go through all of those, but I think that there, there are some core things that we, that, that are great, you know, for, for doing these kind of things. The top one I always lead with, which I'll share with you. And then anybody who wants more can, can get them. I give them away like free M&Ms, right? So, but <laughs> one of the top lessons that um, was really good for me in the longevity of, of this happy, healthy family is um, open and humble communication, right? And so, and that's, this, this is great for your listeners because this I think is key no matter what formation of family you're forming. You know, be willing to talk about anything. That's what I mean when I say open. And the humble is... <laughs> you know, I'm not always right and I don't get to make all the decisions, right? Like, so when I go into a conversation and, you know, for planning a wedding, you know, it's like figure out what I want, but then also understand that other people are going to have their own wants and I'm not going to always know the answers. Um, So that's one of the things. And then I do, I have nine others. The way they will shake out in each family is going to be different. Right. So it's going to be different. So one, I'll give you another one real quick, even though I said I wouldn't do this. One of them is honoring, <laughs> honoring and respecting all the other people in the family. And in a blended family, we sometimes have some extra people. Right. So like where, you know, your future mother-in-law, is, we, she, her opinions are going to show up in your wedding and no matter who you are. Right. Um, in a blended family, you have you might have, you know, previous relationships, right? Now, their opinions are not going to directly imply, should probably shake out in what you do for your actual wedding, but they are there. They're a part of it. And so, like, ignoring them and pretending they're not there is not super helpful. So, Yeah, totally. For many, many reasons, Um, especially parenting, because you, I would imagine, um, you have to honor that person and their parenting style, even if it's something right. that you don't particularly agree with. And I would imagine that comes up all the time. Comes up all the time. A fun thing with, um, yeah, it comes up all the time and everybody's going to do it differently, you know, uh, in every single family, but it does come up all the time. And, um, and yeah, it's it's there. It's there. And it, how you deal with it is where the choice is, which I think power comes from seeing the choice. And, uh, and not, you know, like, but you you can't, it it doesn't ever magically go, it's like, you know, it doesn't go, it's like right now you're expecting a storm. If you ignored that there was a storm coming, it doesn't make it not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Totally true. As I sit here in a storm and I've lost internet twice while we've been on this uh, (laughs) podcast and... (laughs) That's why I record on this platform because it doesn't drop the podcast itself. It like powers through it. Anyway, behind the scenes info. Magic technology. I know, right? Right? Um, Okay. So um, what final advice do you have for our listeners who are planning a wedding as a blended family? So this is going to – this will be my advice. Um, One of the like – big things that I've just learned as an adult is that happiness is a totally worthwhile goal, right? And so there are so many things that come together in a wedding and it can feel very pressured and very, very important and all kind of things like that. And it is very easy 
to put everybody else's desires and wants and needs in front of yours or flip it and put your needs in front of everybody else's and nobody's happy, right? So thinking about what you will really enjoy and what will make you happy is, is I think, really, really key and really, really important. And there is a balance to this in every, you know, in every single event that you'll pull together and you deal with weddings and there's a lot of emotions that go, go into this, but using that as a driving force is a pretty good, like directional force for me. So, um, you know, my, my wedding was unusual by some standards because my husband had been married before, but I, I loved it. It was absolutely like a wonderful day in our life. And we had all these like teeny tiny people running around, you know, which other people may not have enjoyed, but, you know, we put it in a place where they could do that and be kids and it didn't interfere with me being, you know, the bride of the day and enjoying it. And, and that was intentional. It was like, what will make me happy? You know, that's that's where we go. So that's my tip. I love that. I wait. That was a mic drop moment. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Amy, for joining me on the wedding dish today. Where can our listeners find you online and get those ten tips and all the things? So my name is Amy Stone, and the name of my business is Amy Says So, which is a play on that old thing that some parents would say, because I say so. So amysaysso.com is my website. That's where I funnel all of my resources and wisdom and tips, and you can find all the things about me and what I do. Awesome. I love it. And do you have social media as well? I do have social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel, um, and uh, I do a much better job of pushing out through the website than I do anything else. Um, and someday in the future when I have like a, you know, an army of people who are there, you can definitely find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I try and make sure that everything doubles out there. But uh, the best way to know what I'm about is to go to Amy Says So and then, you know, get one of my helpful resources and then I do a better job of keeping in touch. Got it. Yeah, you gotta, you need to know where your strengths are. And I think that is perfectly tough. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, while you are visiting amysesso.com, uh, you can also swing on over to the weddingdishpodcast.com and you can grab show notes. We have more details about Amy's actual wedding and all kinds of great tips and things. Um, and we'll, of course, link out to Amy on our um, show notes and our episode description. So if you miss the website or forget what it is by now already, then you can just click through. Um, and you can find us on social media at The Wedding Dish Podcast. And um, don't forget to tune in next week. I'll be tuning uh, dishing, excuse me, with authors Edna and Jerry, the humans behind Real Deal Wedding Insiders. And if you like the show, give us a follow, rate, and review on your favorite podcasting app. It really helps us get discovered by more people and all the good stuff. Until we meet again, thanks for tuning into The Wedding Dish. Bye, everybody.